Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. You know what I'm going to ask you to do. There's a link at the top of the podcast and it says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack and that is where you join us and help us keep the mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to listen to with the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, happen. It's the price of a cup of coffee and a scone to you. It's literally mics on and bills paid for us and it's the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. You get tons of additional content, including access to our back catalogue of now over 1,300 podcasts. And included in that 1,300 is a conversation myself and Martin had in relation to his successful challenging of the public services card mass surveillance that was being carried out and how the Data Protection Commissioner found in his favour and what the actual implications are for the card. It's a bit of a complex story, but there are so many layers. Martin breaks it down really, really well. And that's available right now for our members. So all you got to do is join us, try it for a month, see what you think. And if you don't like it, you should just cancel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for liking, sharing, reviewing and telling your friends. But please take the 90 seconds it takes to click that link and help keep a independent platform struggling on. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back, Martin, as promised. With We, we, we I would have said a special guest, but we may re, we can say maybe um, re- returning guests. But yeah, we're joined by Minister Dara O'Brien, obviously the Minister for Housing. And it's the first time in a while, Dara, and I thought you were dodging me. But, I, but I'm actually more convinced now it's actually Mary Lou MacDonald's been dodging me. Mary Lou, you've <laughs> left me on read for about 18 months now. Um, Dara, thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's good to welcome, see you. Tony. Good to see you too. No, and I appreciate you coming in. So let's get started. Before we kick off, you two boys have had to spend the last 15 minutes just chatting about your, your similar upbringings. Yeah. I want to make the point, you've done all right for yourself, Dara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, would say, some would say no. Yeah. Uh, some would say no. Yeah, no, we're having a chat with Martin, near neighbour of mine, obviously older. Uh, but yeah, Port Marnock boy who says he used to beat the crap out of us. Yeah, they, they would have been first Dara would have been a, a first year in Scalisa yeah. and I would have been a sixth year in mm. Port Marnock. Port Marnock yeah. And there was always a very great rivalry between the two. Still is. Yeah. It's actually, you go to see Marnogues, let's say, play Sylvester's, hmm. could be at any level. And it really is. It's your Springfield Shelby. Oh, it is absolutely without a doubt. So this is new. These are this. I didn't even know Fingal existed until a couple of years ago, lads. Fingal. Now, I what I say about Fingal is I was Fingal before Fingal was Fingal. I was born in North County Dublin. I'm that Fingal. Yeah. No, we'd always see. That's the thing. Like we would see ourselves as North County people until. The dubs win the All Ireland again. Then we're full hundred percent. Ah, well, dubs. we can't say that changing to Fingal did you any harm. Got you back in in two thousand sixteen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, got, was, I got back eight only uh, by a margin, like ten thousand eight hundred and fifty-eight for reference. I appreciate every single one of them. Anyway, let's you know. let's go let's go there though because it, the first time we spoke to you, you were in opposition at the time, mm-hmm. and it was twenty nineteen, and you told us March twenty nineteen, and you told us that you believed in the right to house and if it had to insert it into the constitution you'd do that yeah. it's now 2023 Dara where's my referendum it is actually the commission I've been doing I set up the commission on housing uh, that was another commitment in the programme for government to have a longer term look what housing should look like in Ireland one of the big issues I see is that housing policy changes even if a new minister comes in and then delivery slows 
and it certainly changes when governments come in. So we need to have a look at what should housing in Ireland look like, what should public housing look like, and what should the housing system look like. So I set up the Housing Commission, a lot of good people there, a lot of subgroups within it. They're due to report to me very shortly with regard to their findings. I want us to have a referendum on housing, and we will have. It's a commitment in the programme for government. Um, we'll, we'll get the Oireachtas Committee involved in that, I would expect, be that a special committee that's short, short term. And uh, potentially an opportunity. We know we have elections coming up next year, mm. uh, locals and Europeans. That'll be a government decision as to and when generous. a referendum. I don't know, it won't be a general election next year. No, 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 I don't. I don't. Certainly not before the local elections. No, I wouldn't see it. I think that no, there's well, two more budgets. Okay, well, we may, we may get two, more, but, two more budgets. Absolutely. But when you say, okay, so well, we've spoken to constitutional uh, law lectures mm. and we know that you know, the, the, the wording of this thing is important, but also it it's not as important as the work that you're supposed to be doing to tackle homelessness. Of course. So it begins and ends with homelessness, first of all, mm-hmm. in terms of where we're starting from. The question I want to put to you is, do you, is our definition of homelessness actually uh, too weak? Should we be actually encouraged? Because we don't count people who are living mm-hmm. sleeping rough. We don't count people in direct provision. We don't well, we count are, people who are mm-hmm. in refuge. We don't count count, count couch surfers. We don't count, mm-hmm. you know, people in, in over overcrowded accommodation. We don't count them like that. And a lot of co- other countries that we aim to be more like do. Actually, I'll take you back a step and I will directly answer the question. Ireland is the most transparent count of any of our European partners with regard to publication of data uh, every single month, the last Friday of every month. There are people who are accessing emergency accommodation. Look at Germany. I think the last time they did a count was 10 years ago. France, Holland. And actually, I know this from dealing with with Housing Europe, Circa Edwards, who actually happens to be uh, on the commission as well. And I'll be speaking at the conference there in in uh, Barcelona uh, the week after next. We're going to host that conference here in 2025. And that's about European practitioners seeing what other countries are doing. But on the transparency piece on homelessness, actually Ireland produces and publishes statistics more than any other EU state. I'll, I'll, be, I'll count it up by saying Ireland is also the most transparent tax haven in the world because we got a green rating for tax transparency, which was really great for yeah. us, you know. But so. if you take, take look, take Austria, for I'm not going to cross you. Okay, look, so I think it is important that we have a look at what's been done in other countries and also realising that every other European state has issues with housing, okay? And we do. So let me say this, okay, that if you take Vienna, in, in Vienna itself, about 10,000 people homeless in Vienna. Right as we're we're talking here today, mm. that doesn't make it any better for us that we have eleven thousand nine hundred eighty-eight people, including many kids, who are in emergency accommodation. And my single uh, most priority is to exit as many of those people out into permanent, safe, secure housing. And actually, we are doing that. The numbers, yes, have been going up, uh, but we're exiting a lot of people out the other side too. And there are many reasons for people falling into homelessness too. It can be relationship breakup. It can be coming out of the... The, the main the, driver is is the private rentals. Actually, if you, look at, if you look at the last two reports on this, the main single biggest issue has been relationship breakup. The private rental sector is a big issue because it's dysfunctional, okay? And we, that's why we need to provide more social homes. So if I look at last year in particular, well, we get to that maybe, Tony, because yeah, you're no, something no, like that. Let's, let's, but it's important because I think everyone understands that, one, we've got to look after people who are in emergency accommodation, make sure they have the support that's needed, particularly those who are at the sharpest end, those who, and that's why Housing First has been a success. And many people who subscribe to yourselves may be aware of Housing First, which mm. is not just giving someone the keys, but giving the wraparound support so they're there. That works really, really well. And we're expanding 
extending that across the country. Now we've fourteen hundred new tenancies now that were that were uh, that were that were bringing in on housing for us. Now on the other side of it is is making sure we've more places for people to go in so far as homes, right? So when we delivered ten thousand two hundred and fifty three new social homes last year, highest amount of social homes actually new builds social homes since nineteen seventy five, and we're going to do more this year. I'm happy to see more people exiting from emergency accommodation to safe and secure homes. And that's what I want to see. And you, we're not going to solve it unless we get supply. Can I just ask, on, yeah. you said on those local, uh, on the, the delivery. So we know last year, Dunleary County Council delivered no homes to local authority. Galway City, no homes. Kildare, no homes. Our delivery models aren't 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 working. So if we're paying these other AHBs, we're paying the approved housing bodies for benefits of listeners, we're paying for turnkeys, we're going through all of these other ones where we're, where we're buying them. Why aren't the state no. in, the, in the business of building? Actually, last year we saw, you've mentioned four local authorities, the four you've mentioned have a very significant pipeline of social housing delivery this year. I'm not as purist as you would be on whether it's an approved housing body like the Peter McFerry Trust, whether it be Focus Ireland, whether it be Cluids, Respond to it delivering a social home Why? or a local authority because we're funding them and they're homes for people. They're safe and secure social homes for people. Now, we do need to, like we we had, Martin, 10, 12 years of really significant undersupply in social housing and we had to tool up local authorities to do it. So if I look back even 10 years ago, right, if I look back at actually less. But is that not, is that not a failing in the, in the local? But that's Let but me just finish on this point and I swear to God I won't interrupt you again. I just, this is important though. If I look now in 2023, and I look back at 2015, eight years, we're putting 11 times more the investment, four and a half billion euro this year into housing by the state, by you, your money and your, your listeners' money in exchequer funding into social and affordable housing. In 2015, it was 400 million. That was it, okay? And sorry, I just want to make that point. There's been a massive scaling up and we do need to make sure we have the resources in local authorities to do it. That's why I gave 300 additional posts for housing staff alone last year. But the Sorry. money that's being spent, and it's how the money that's mm-hmm. being spent. Okay, so we have enhanced leasing. And for the life of me, I cannot see where the value for money in enhanced leasing mm-hmm. is. It is simply a transfer of wealth from the taxpayer to the to the landlord. And it is simply, we, we pay 25 years mm-hmm. Two grand, was it three grand, three grand, grand mortgage on a yeah, two yeah, bed? Yeah. And after 25 years, the, the property automatically goes back to the price. And you've paid the mortgage. The state has paid you. the I mortgage. Get, I get the point. The fact that that's not on the books after 25 years, I cannot see. Where's the value added okay. in this? Well, the two issues, and I will answer that question because I happen to agree with you. That's why I'm phasing out long-term leasing and I've been doing that in Housing for All shows how we're doing, how we're doing that. The AHB model or the approved housing body model of delivering social is not leasing. Okay, That's actually through CAF funding in the department. Those homes are owned by the AHBs and by the state. So just so oh, yeah, people yeah. are listening are clear. There was an over-reliance on leasing, no question, over 10 years. Uh, I've actually shown in Housing for All how we're going to phase it out. One thing I am doing, though, there's two forms of leasing that are good. One is mortgage to rent, okay, for a lot of people who have fallen into systemic mortgage arrears and are never going to get out of it. So we use the mortgage to rent model. I know you know David Hall and David would have spoken to you. That is a form of leasing. Mm -hmm. Second one is the repair and lease piece, which Peter McVerry Trust in particular used really, really well to bring old properties back into use. Uh, I was in Haddington Road a few months ago. Old building there built in the 1830s is 18 one-bedroom apartments now, owned our apartments for people. So there's good leasing. Uh, in my view, and we need to have the option to do that. What I did this year was I got approval for 1,000 
um, long-term leasing, but emergency long-term leasing, as, as we've categorized them, in addition, and that's to be focused specifically at the at our homeless community or those at risk at homeless, but specifically for singles, because we still have an oh, issue. Oh, okay. We now, still have an issue because we don't have enough properties uh, for uh, single people. And, and Tony has raised this quite a, a few mm. times. At the present moment in time, there are 511 men in tents in town, single mm-hmm. men who need single places to live or two or three of them to live, but that's what they need. These are refugees who have come to this country. I was listening to this morning to an Af- Afghanistan refugee who came from awful and he's yeah, in a tent with no water, no facilities. Why isn't refugee accommodation part of your remit? Well, okay, get back two things, right? We've dealt with the supply issue, but we can't just set that aside. And we are making progress in relation we'll to supply. To we'll come mm, back to it. Yeah. To answer in relation to international protection, international protection sits under the Department of Children. But we assist on that, particularly through our local authorities. So Dublin City Council, who are directly report to me, and the team in there have been doing a lot of work in relation to that issue with our, with our colleagues in, in, in the Department of Children in sourcing new buildings, which you've seen the announcement earlier this week about the three new buildings that we have to get people out of tents and into safe and secure homes. Because many of the people who are living in tents, who've, who are fleeing persecution from, acro- from across the world, you've mentioned Afghanistan, South Sudan, other places like that. There are others who were there who, and there was interviews in the Irish Times there, there was a gentleman from South Africa, another man from Brazil who was waiting for his work permit, all of those different types of things. So it is all an accommodation issue. Okay, so the Department of Housing under me actually more than play our part in that space um, to provide the wraparound services, provide the support and to source the buildings to help there, like we're doing for our friends from Ukraine. So I think, lads, in fairness, if you go back 14, 15 months, and was of course everything we're, is not. We're bar- proud of what we've done in, in Ukraine. Yeah, well, and and, 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 and the, the country is proud. Yeah, of what and we've they done should be because because the, the, the people of the people have 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 led that. But I have to say, in fairness, the the government on the people's behalf have also. Uh, I don't think I've done a bad job in that space either. I, I, that we've been able to accommodate about 80,000 people from Ukraine and we've had about 16,000 or so uh, people fleeing persecution through international protection. Yeah. That does pose challenges. What I would say to you is this. Like I, the, but it we is ha- a two-tier system then. I'm, no, I don't think it is because, like, are we as a co- look, we're it is, for for like, no, it, I don't like, think it. I don't like think it, it is. That's why is it two tier? Because that 17 year old won his case in the high court. I know he, he did. So yeah. so it proved that he was treated differently than someone who arose and, from. And, the and I, I, I'm I'm not going on that. I know very well about that case, and I know also that the department have come forward with the response to that case. I'm not going to go too much yeah, into no, it, Tony, because that would be it's, that's it's not being evasive. Matter, yeah. But it is, and people will know about that. No one wants to see that. Okay, but no one can predict either how many people are going to come in uh, to the country on any given day. Okay, and what level of accommodation is required. So we need to get to a stage where we get ahead of it. Because all across Europe, by the way, and this is where it's important that we look at context, all across Europe, uh, countries have responses in relation to and responsibilities to uh, people who are fleeing persecution. And this is the new normal, by the way, mm. in my view. When we're seeing people fleeing for climate reasons, we've more conflict in the world than we've had in in decades as well. And people will seek refuge here and we need to look after them as best we can. That's not always going to be perfect. A young woman shot by a, by a border police officer in North Macedonia coming from Greece. Fatmata was her name. She was 23 <laughs> and a few months pregnant. <laughs> Outside of our reporting, Martin, I don't know if anybody really gives no. a shit. Can I say this, Tony? Because we do, for all political differences in that, right? Mm. Um, 
there is no one that I, well, I can't say no one that I know, but but most of the, the people that I, that I know and most of the people in the Dáil actually want people welcomed into this country and looked after. And we want to provide safe refuge. I, last year in the Dáil, when it was raised by the Rural Independence in relation to putting a cap on Ukrainians mm. and a cap on international protection, completely and, and utterly uh, disagreed with them, mm. fought back on that. And we should not. And we need no, to... No, no, there should be no cap. And I completely agree there should be no cap. When people but there are, are fleeing, people who are looking for that. When people are fleeing war, the safest place for them to be is not in a war zone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've got to stand in the other person's shoes. It might feel your community is being invaded, but these people are fleeing what you can't possibly imagine. You can't understand or fathom. uh, Martin, I'm 100% with you on that. That's what I've actually said. What I'm I'm saying is we need to... for people coming into this country, particularly people are fleeing war, But the failure is, and it's a failure ongoing over 20 years, it's a housing crisis. Refugees didn't rock up. I remember, and you'll remember, the Vietnamese boat people coming to Mm -hmm. Swords. And I remember this. Mm -hmm. I was only a small child at the time. And they were welcomed into the community and they were provided with a place to live. Mm -hmm. The deficit at the moment is that we have 20 years where the state has handed responsibility for building social and community housing over to the private sector. The private sector hasn't delivered. We have the lowest housing stock among the lowest social housing stock in Europe. We have home ownership that has dropped. Well, just incredibly. Well, okay, there's a couple of points you've raised there. The state is, and since I've taken over, is delivering social housing at scale now, okay? And the state is, we spent three and a half billion euro last year. It's not just about the money, it's about what you get for that, okay, in relation to the social homes, in relation to cost rental as well, which is a new form of tenure that didn't exist before I took over as minister. We've over a thousand. It existed for a hundred years in Vienna, but... Yeah, but know. yeah, well, it did for many other reasons. It didn't exist here. Okay. okay? Now, let me... Just, just know on the social housing, it's important to say this. On the social housing, this is giving, just giving you your flowers for a moment. We've gone from about 8% of stock to about 10% stock, yeah. right? We've increased our, our share of social <laughs> housing stock. I would be happier if it was closer to 20. Where would you like to see? Yeah, of course, it needs to be. And I want to see, we've actually outlined it, how we're going to deliver over 90,000 social homes you know, between now and 2030. We need to keep increasing it. I want to exceed our target for this year and deliver more than we did last year. And the good thing about the Housing for All plan, if I could say, is that it's fully funded. So I know of the capital and it gives certainty to the local authority sector, the AHB sector as well, that they can actually plan for additional developments. The other thing we need is land, okay? So some local authorities don't have the right land in the right places, okay? So I've brought forward a land land acquisition fund, which we've actually had 63 applications to it for local authorities and AHBs to buy more land to build. Because what I do agree with Martin and yourself is we've had significant undersupply for 10, 12 years at least. The other reason, by the way, that our local authority housing stock is as low as Martin has referred to is because we allowed at various different times as a state the sell-off of those properties Mm -hmm. too. Now, since I've taken over to, and I do, you know, there are people, we'll always get queries all the time, we want to buy social homes, and I get that too. But whilst I'm building up the stock, I'm not going to sell it out the other side. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see that that is important that we get that up. The other thing, which you're not including in the in the social housing stock is our cost rental stock, okay? We have an opportunity to really scale that up significantly this year. I brought forward and got approval for the cost rental viability measure of 150,000 per unit, which will be for AHB's local authorities, LDA as well. And that that, that stock is ours for people above the social housing waiting lists, uh, or limits, excuse me. And it's a really important and 
popular form of tenure. Yeah. And I think we can scale it up big time. Like I saw Rory earlier on today, which was good. He was retweeting our new scheme, that, scheme that, that we've actually, in Rush, in, yeah. in Mariner's Way. So rents from about 910 euro. And it's not just the rent amount. What it is, is the fact that you have a secure tenure. Mm. And, and look, I, you know, I, I, but anyway. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of cost rental. I have been. We've been talking about this for a number of years. I want to go back. You mentioned, first of all, housing first. Let's, yes. and this is not on all on your watch, but we go back to 13 years ago and we point out that at the same time when housing first was introduced by a right-wing government in Finland, they had the same level of homelessness mm-hmm. as Ireland mm-hmm. did. We were both around 1,400. Mm-hmm. In Ireland, it's gone up by 820 odd percent. And in, uh, in Finland, it's almost been eradicated mm-hmm. there. Well, I've been to Finland, and if you look at the housing first model in Finland, it's actually different than the Irish one in Finland. Actually, some of the response to, and there's some good learnings from Finland too, but some of the responses was if someone had a, a homeless hostel, mm. would be to convert the hostel into front door units, front door units and yep. say you're all housed, okay? That's not how housing first works in Ireland, because housing first in particular is not just looking at the the bricks and mortar or giving someone a key to an apartment or to a house. It's actually making sure they have the supports around it to help them with the other issues that they have to the the learnings in relation to running your, your own household and that. And we've actually, through Housing First here, not me, but Ireland's actually looked at as the best example of delivering Housing First all across Europe. Because, up, yeah. Oh, big time. No, we no, t- and, we had Tommy Kay in. And, the other rapper, Tommy Kay. I, I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy was in and he's a beneficiary yeah. of that. And it's and he did. He said yeah. he said it, it absolutely changed his life because Tommy has, you know, he's been living with HIV, hasn't he, uh, Martin? And, well, and, and Tommy reminded me that when we were going through the lockdown phases, mm-hmm. we were able to provide homes for people. And we spoke to people. Mm-hmm. And, and one guy, I stick for me with forever. Mm-hmm. And the story was he had his own home and he felt it was like MTV, what cribs. was it? MTV uh, Cribs. Now, you're sitting in the door. You're listening to an 80-year-old woman tell how she's going to be evicted. You're listening to, as we said, young men coming from another, from Afghanistan, God Almighty, from mm-hmm. Afghanistan, to no water, no accommodation mm-hmm. in this country. And you keep saying Europe has problems. But what Europe doesn't have is the best performing economy in Europe. And we do. Yeah, and we do. We're a very yeah, yeah. wealthy country. Now, when you consider in 2019, 89 people died of homeless, most of them in Dublin. There is simply no excuse for anybody dying homeless in in Ireland. We are wealthy beyond the rest of Europe. And Martin, if I could say, just in relation to the report that was done by the Health Research Board, and I've read the report, I actually was briefed on it in in advance of it, I think it'd be important that people read the detail of that too. Uh, This isn't any death of someone in homeless services. Uh, is absolutely is one too many. But there are many different reasons within that. Different right. health reasons, people who died in housing first. Like housing, say, how, if yeah. you die in homelessness, that's the end of a list of failures. It's not yeah, but, the beginning no, but Martin, of my point, my point is, is that how people, the, how those, those deaths themselves are actually um, recorded isn't some people's impression would be that all of the people and every single death is absolutely regrettable that it might be someone who died in the street or that's not the case that's all I'm saying it isn't I would ask okay, people I, no but let me just say in this time because it's important it'd be important that people actually have a look at that because it can be that someone who has been long term homeless with many many issues and we've had people who've gone into housing first and their life has been a lot better but because of the impacts of homelessness long term that their health has deteriorated greatly and what really worried me about that report is the average age of deaths was 40 that's right okay about half the life expectancy so people are dying too young 
Okay, now what I'm referring to Europe, by the way, and to get back to your point on, on the economics of it all, is all I'm saying is not saying, you know, is that every European country has issues with regard to housing, delivery, public housing, homelessness. That doesn't make our situation any better. But what I am saying to you about where the economy is at right now and has been for the last number of years, that is a good thing because we've got the resources to be able to invest in housing for people. That doesn't just happen either, okay? But and, you and economic need resources when Fianna Fáil hadn't an arse in its trousers. You didn't need resources. When this country was on its absolute knees. Fianna Fáil built We're building houses. Housing. People were building houses again. We didn't see it as this but Martin, binary. Under, under, but Martin, under, since I've taken over, we're building social homes at scale again. I have a pipeline. I have 19,000 social homes right now as I'm talking to you today at various different stages of construction for delivery. I know what the pipeline is for the, for the next few years. We built just short of 10,500 new social homes last year, 7,500 brand new builds and others through acquisition. I've expanded the purchase with tenants in situ but the scheme. the problem is that so, they're coming on. Homelessness is greater well, than you can build. You can't, is, you're not building well, this out too, of this it. This is leaked too back. Let's go back. 11,754 people were homeless on the day the temporary moratorium mm-hmm. on no-fault evictions mm-hmm. lapsed. Mm-hmm. The Taoiseach took to his feet and he said what we had was a winter moratorium, which is typical in other places. And I put it to you that, for example, Tahani House has, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're well yeah, aware I'm well aware of Tahani House. House, yeah. You know, um, James O'Toole is one of the campaigners and, and one, mm-hmm. of the, one of the people who lives in Tahani House. His his uh, wife is Swedish. And when they told their parents that his her, their parents what, that they were being made, they were being evicted, they asked, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't get their head around that you could be evicted for doing nothing I understand, wrong. I understand. Now, Everybody across the doll has spent the last few months saying no one says we should have a permanent eviction ban. I put it to you, we should have a permanent eviction on no fault evictions that if you sign a five year lease, you pay your rent, you keep, you maintain the property and you're a decent tenant. There shouldn't be a, a grounds for the for the landlord. Yeah, no, I get that. And so, so and what do you think? Well, of that? I think that there's a couple of things, right? We brought forward the Affordable Housing Act, which allowed us to bring bring in cost rentals. So mm-hmm. that's important. We've discussed that new form of, of rental tenure that will grow and grow and grow. And I think okay. we we'll look back at these couple of years and say we're glad we've done that. Now, in relation to the private rental market, as it is right now and has been for the last five six years, it is dysfunctional. Whether people like landlords or not, and individual landlords or not, I want to demonise them or not. We're no, nobody's no, not you. I'm not. Here. No, I'm not saying you. So relax. I'm not mm. saying you. That is, we have had a flight of landlords, and that means a flight of stock mm. out of that market. And we've had an over-reliance on that private rental market. That's why we, the earlier discussion we just had, that's why we need to build more social homes and we're doing it. Now, the issue, the decision I had to make and government had to make to answer specifically about the winter eviction ban, it was a ban that was brought in on a temporary basis to provide space to deliver more, uh, more accommodation, which we did was the continuation of that would it have made a difficult situation even worse, and I believe it would have. Now, it gave us the time to bring forward measures like the purchase of tenant in situ. You, and made, that, you made those decisions after the... No, no, I didn't. Sorry. No, Tony, I'm going to correct you on this. That you, the purchase with tenant in situ I expanded in July of last year. And since January this year, we've actually 1,800 properties. That's 1,800 plus properties actually going through uh, the the process of purchase right now. And now this is the time we said we'd seven successfully completed. No, he said that was a nonsense though. But like, no, honestly, I think that was Owen bring him into the doll and now, said... Hang on. No, you, no, you and Owen can have we your beef with No, no, we, we, can, I, you can have we don't beef. have a beef. No. But I'm just going to correct because that, that was, you know what, that was completely and utterly disingenuous. And whoever said it, or including Owen, 
that they were closed sales. Anyone who buys or sells a property will know that when you actually strike a deal and say, yes, we're buying that property, it takes, there's a lead time to go through conveyancing and to conclude it, right? So it, actually in Dublin City Council, and I think they came back very well on that one, that seven figure was thrown out. Mm. Even at that stage, that's a number of weeks ago, that over 450 properties going through. Now, I've met people who've actually been in that situation. The scheme is, let me, the let scheme me finish for a sec. But what it means to those people and those families mm. is they've secured their home for life. And, okay? we've, and we've increased our stock. And and, and, and exactly. And also a, a bit of good news because the other two measures was the purchase, the cost rental tenants in situ. Okay, we've had the first approvals with that. What, what about the, what about the, cost? And, what about, what about, we know. Well, that's important now oh, because that's above important. the social housing uh, it, limits. It's, it's yeah. for people who sure. people who are earning above the limits for social housing. It's but the first approvals on that Absolutely. and also and, through and, first home. And again, yeah. all of this, I'm not, not here well, just I'm not having a... No, but no, I, want, no, I, I want to point out, okay, first of all, we have to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Notices to quit. It's mm -hmm. been put to you that, that you knew before you lifted the number of them. Did you? No, the only time I get... Look, the, firstly, the reason we have notice to quit data is because I changed the legislation. I brought in changes that made sure that the RTB actually published NTQ data. And actually, when they came into committee, in the Joint Directors Committee that is in housing, I think it was last October, November, they'd given a projection based on their on, on their own uh, research they'd done, about 10% of landlords looking to sell within a year. So the figures weren't of any surprise to anyone. And like the only time I was briefed, briefed on figures is when we have the final verified figures, which was the day in which the, those figures were actually published. And nothing in it was a surprise, Tony. Oh. And I wouldn't have changed any decision. And actually, I believe next week, We'll have we'll have more data published in relation to the to the next quarter. The former the former Green Party TD Nessa Hergan, and I'm saying that Nessa tongue in cheek. Oh, oh, I, that three men go into a room and come out and make the decision, and you guys get gets delivered to you. No, that's I look. I like Nessa a lot. Okay, and I get on well with her. Um, I'm very hands-on uh, in relation to policy delivery and what we got to do. I know nearly every development being built across the country. What I'm saying to you is, is that the NTQ data, the only reason we have it is because I changed the legislation to make sure that we get it. And that's about transparency and us it being able to plan. And what we was, was, I understand that next week that the next data set will be published and it will also be published along with new tenancies created. Okay, so we got to balance that too. Um, and really the challenge is to make sure we use the protection measures that are there through tenant in situ, cost rental in situ, and also the other one, which was helping people buy that rental property through the first home scheme. We've had the first approval through that too, just last week, and then ramping up the stock delivery. When are we going to make the, um, first of all, a couple of quick ones, okay. from conscious time, 66,000 holiday homes, are we going to do anything policy-wise to try and um, yeah. use them? Yeah, well, look, the one thing, firstly, on short-term lets, I know it's not the direct question, I've written to the commission again just last week to try well, to, this is, to this try, well, it's probably, okay, it's Martin's one, well, we'll get, get to that in a second. Holiday homes as well, look, there's where where they can be brought in for people to use. Some of them are being used for our friends from Ukraine, that is true, they are People do have holiday homes. Can you get them into the into the into the housing stock itself? All of them, six six thousand. I don't think you can. Mm. My big focus is on ramping up the overall supply, and but also bringing vacant properties back to use, if I could say. And we've actually been pretty successful uh, on that. Now we've loads, loads more to do. I get Frank and Jude in, and they'll tell you. We get them in. Yeah, actually, the few guys, in fairness, and guys who are nowhere near close to me are looking at the. If I look at the vacancy grants that I've brought in for households to be able to buy properties and do them up, fifty thousand for vacant, seventy thousand for for derelict. We've had over sixteen hundred applications through. That's great because I'm seeing in towns and villages across the country, in Dublin as well. 
where people who were saying to me, God, if I only had a bit of money to be able to help me do up the house, I could buy that and I could do it up and I could live there. And it's breeding life back into our towns and villages and it's working. Just really quickly, yes, traveller sure. accommodation. Yes. Are we are we going to do something about the fact that local authorities have been for years handing back their budgets unspent mm-hmm. and how are we going to make sure that we're making that we're making yeah. proper resources into traveller accommodation yeah. and giving them some sort of dignity? Yeah. Because I'm going up the road and one of the lads said to me, he said they built walls around me but they won't put a roof yeah, on me Look, I have friends in the travelling community as well and actually the I've invited the traveller representative came into the National Homeless Action Committee which I chaired just, just a couple of months ago and they're going to be full-time members of that. Basically, the last two years, the good news is we've expanded our full capital budget in 2022 and 2021. That's the first time we've done that in a long time. So all of the capital for for new traveller accommodation was spent and will be spent this year. And I totally agree with you. It's unacceptable that it wasn't. We still have issues with regard to travellers not being treated as equals in certain parts of this country, but certain parts of our society too. And again, we talked about life expectancy earlier on. If you look at life expectancy in the traveller community, is way, way, way lower uh, than, than the settled community. Is, are the traveller community represented at your forum? Yeah, NHAC, yeah. NHAC. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to... Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And basically, we go further than that, by the way, because... Kieran O'Donnell, who's Minister for State as well, like the the his app, one of the main parts of his job is in relation to provision of traveller accommodation and engaging with the traveller community. Actually, traveller organisations came in and presented to NHAC just the meeting before last, and they're full time members of NHAC now. Okay. And I want them in there because they've they've because like in fairness, like you know, there are very specific issues. We've talked about the most vulnerable. We've talked about people seeking international protection, refugees. We've talked about our friends from Ukraine. The travelling community in Ireland have suffered for generations and generations of... of The uh, next time that that the the traveller representatives are outside the doll, and I did I did see you there. Mm-hmm. I did see you there. We were there. Tony and I were yeah, there on the day. And we did see you there. But the show from the doll was very poor. Yeah. It was very poor, and there's no point in saying it otherwise. And it, a lot of us turned up to that. I do have one question to well, ask I'm, you about short-term lets. Sure, okay, let yeah. me get into this one. Short-term lets in this country are thermostat of the willingness of the government to tackle housing. At the present moment in time, there are up to sixteen thousand full properties let out on short-term lets. Vast majority of them have not applied for planning permission, don't have planning permission. And if you look at the places like Mayo, Sligo, anywhere along the coast, you won't find a rental property, but you will find dozens of full homes out Mm -hmm. for rental. Now, this is the lowest of low hanging fruit for the government. And for me, it's, it's the bellwether. If they tackle Airbnb, then they are willing to do something about Mm -hmm. housing. But, just last week or the week before, I heard on News Talk them talking about Airbnb as a side hustle. Now, what do you mean as a side hustle? As a side hustle. They know what they're doing is outside of planning permission. Okay. But everybody accepts that this is a side hustle for those who can afford can a second time. Can I home. answer you on this? Because there are properties, sorry, John, there, there are properties out there that we want brought back in. And proper regulation in the short-term letting sector, not just Airbnb, there's others, there's Booking.com, yes. there's a whole lot, right? And... Catherine Martin and myself have been working on this. We do have legislation published in relation to registration. The EU Commission actually have raised some issues with us, okay? And this is coincidentally, before I'd actually told you guys I was coming in today, I've engaged with Commissioner Smith at the Commission having to get them to speed up their uh, their assessment of this because 
right now, the 2019 regulations before I took over do mean actually that within RPZs or M pressure zones that you do need planning permission right. to operate it. Very few people have sought them, okay? And they haven't been enforced. Now, in fairness, the council teams are active. They've lots of, look, local authorities have lots of stuff to do too. They, you know, where someone makes an application in an RPZ, the decision is effectively that that should be refused. But we need stronger legislation. Catherine's been leading on that. I'd hope that we get that into the doll in advance of the summer. At the present moment, as it stands, all the council needs to do is enforce the powers or enforce the legislation that already sits there at the moment. Now, we yeah. spoke to... Kind of, it's, it, it, the regu- there's regulation there, absolutely, 2019 regulation. I think it needs when, to be stronger through primary when legislation. When I have the Martin. Minister for Finance in front of me, I'm going to try and get a win out of this. Go on. Okay, and I'm going to try and Go get on. a win out of this. We had two guys in here and they, they have put together helping people. If you live in Cork and there's, it's a rent pressure zone and you can't find a rent, you can make a complaint about Airbnbs that are acting outside. Mm-hmm. The councils want a wet signature. Right. Okay. You, as the Minister for Housing, can say, no, you don't need a wet signature. Mm-hmm. Now, that would give people the power in their own communities to tackle properties, full properties, which shouldn't be let on Airbnb, Mm -hmm. and to go directly to the council and make a complaint about them. As long as they can do it by email easily. And you could do that as the minister. You could just say, okay, from here on in, we just don't need a West signature. The legislation myself and Catherine actually publishes decent. I think it'll work. Okay, I want to get it in. There have been some queries with the commission on it that we're dealing with. Because there is, look, in certain parts, it's not that if someone wants to rent out a room in their, or their own house if they're going on holidays or whatever like that, that's fine, okay? But Airbnb has moved away from what it, what it was originally. I can tell you, I've Go, sat, I've sat you know, in your so, hometown with people and we have discussed the management of Airbnbs. And these are friends of mine. Yeah. They see no wrong in what they're doing. Well, what I'm telling you is now that... The regulation that's there is clear. It needs to be backed up by primary legislation, which we're doing, okay? And Catherine and I published that a number of months ago. We want to get that in because what that will lead to is a proper, the basically what it means is you will not be able to advertise on any platform without the planning permission or the registration number. So it will, it will basically mean that, that Airbnb or Booking.com or whatever it may be cannot advertise your property without that. And that to me is regulating the platform is the very best way to do it. And that's what but I But the legislation does exist on the ground. And you I as do, yeah. minister could make it very easy to empower people in way, their own communities. And by the way, local authorities do follow up complaints. Now, what I'm saying to you, Martin, is that preceded me. There's a better way of doing it. And the better way of doing it is regulating the platform platform because then properties cannot be advertised unless they're unless they have the legal planning permission right. to be Lighting used in that event here. okay apprentices apprenticeships mm-hmm. we need we need building we need retrofitting and all that how are we doing apprentice did very well last year actually with the highest form of new of new highest number excuse me of new apprenticeships registered last year than we've had in well over a decade good thing is but a good news how is many? if uh, just short of 10,000 mm-hmm. okay and what was done last year which I did like to see was that apprenticeships and rightly so was given equality uh, to CAO and CAS and we're really pushing hard on that the other thing is that we've about 25,000 more people working in construction this year than we had in 2019 we lost 70,000 yeah so. but I'm going by we did mm. but I'm going the best comparator is pre-pandemic mm. because we didn't have a construction shutdown which a lot of people want to ignore when they're criticising me for not spending oh, every every penny you, I know there is <laughs> but no one of the other reasons Tony to criticise me one is like, like to forget about reality but 
25,000 more people working in construction. And yes, we do need more. But that goes back to one of the points that you made at the very, very beginning is to be able to create a sustainable housing sector and, and housing output that doesn't have peaks and troughs. Okay. And that's what I'm about doing. Um, we're introducing more subsidies and more incentives for to, to make property or make land viable, mm -hmm. make, make, make planning permissions, activate planning permissions mm -hmm. and building standards. We're lowering them. Why are we lowering building standards? Where are we lowering building standards? Well, we're saying now we can actually now in, in certain markets, we're saying that we we can use different materials. We can strip line the system. We can have smaller units now. No, we're not. Yeah, well, I don't know, Tony, no. I, I'm told. I'm, to, to, I, we're not. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with the... the uh, go the, with who? That's the, the, the associate professor of arch no. architecture that I spoke to today. We're not. Look, to be no change in standards whatsoever. Why did I tell you this? Okay. Firstly, what I, what I, brought, what I brought forward is an activation measure in relation to development levies. And water connection charges to wave. Better be temporary. To wave, it's one year. It's one year, and actually, I've had smaller developments, particularly smaller, saying that they're on the cusp of viability to get them moving and to have the additional stock that we need. Another, what's called a subvention, is like the first home scheme. We one and two new, one and two new properties bought last year, new builds were bought by first time buyers, and. I know you guys railed against the first home skin at the time. Yeah, and, and, Shouldn't really because it's, it's failed in the UK. Hasn't yeah. no, it's ours is a totally different scheme. A totally different scheme. It's <laughs> not a second. Sorry, it's not a second mortgage. It's equity. There's no the others who said it. It'll inflate prices. It hasn't. It's zero interest from your zero to six, and a, and a simple interest management charge after that. And you know we've had sixteen hundred approvals. There's sixteen hundred households who were renting many of them, who were paying double the amount in rent that they're now paying in a mortgage, who now can buy a home. And, and and they can buy a home I, I, at an affordable rate. I think it has. It's working very prices. well. I think it's inflated prices, Hasn't. and I think the, I think the evidence will show that over the next few years. Well, I'll come back. Well, yeah. I'll come yeah, back we'll to you on that yeah. because I'll stand over this because I put my neck out well, on it and it's working. Okay, let's. We'll have that. We'll have that again. Okay, really quickly then. Sure. Um, the. 2001 or two, 2021 you sat in here with myself and Martin actually it was on Zoom because it was on it was, Zoom yeah uh, it, it was COVID. in that era and we had the conversation and we said are you um, at loggerheads with the Department of Finance I put it to you now are you at loggerheads with the Department of Public Expenditure to try and get the budgets that you need no I'm, I'm not actually right now because the good thing is the housing for all plan I have the capital each year so it's agreed in the base so basically what that means I don't have to go back every year and seek the capital funding that I need. But I got a fight on current, okay, and on current, which is important, that runs our services, and we will do that. Thankfully, right now, I'm at loggerheads with no one, uh, that I have a good, really good pipeline, I have a positive outlook for this year, uh, and indeed for next, but we need to get more commencements going, right. we need to take right. a le leap from 30,000 up this year. Right, you're never going to look at a state construction cup. Yeah, but we've the LDA. Yeah, but the LDA is is is, 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 is selling things off piecemeal no. and parcels. Well, it's, it's actually not like the LDA. Sorry, okay. Just I know we're sitting in the north side right now. Mm. Go over to the south side and have a look at Shangana Castle. Mm. Right, Shangana Castle is the biggest social and affordable housing site that's open in decades. Five hundred ninety-seven homes, social, affordable, cost rental, built by the LDA, funded by the state. St Kevin's and Cork uh, work has started down there. We've. Barnagir and Scaries, Hackettstown. Well, the LDA hasn't, according to the, the LDA itself, hasn't delivered one property. It's it's true. with true Project Tussie. Mm. and actually I've visited. So it's important to say because the T-shock who was tarnished and then T-shock again. It's hard okay, to keep up. Right. He, he had said we, that LDA would be delivering homes by twenty twenty two, and that never. It happened. actually well, sorry, did last year for the first time. Like I, I can I say this on the LDA, right? The LDA when I came in didn't have no primary legislation. They had no money. Okay. I brought forward the LDA Act. I remember. And with the LDA Act, I've also capitalised them. Last year, they delivered their first homes. Delgany, I was in recently, cost rental, really good cost rental homes. And then 
they've broken ground. And more than that, like Shangana is a really impressive and I want them to do a lot more. Am I against in future, like a, a state, I hear the state building agency argument, Rory and others and yourselves have mentioned, I get that, right? But our delivery mechanism now, right, is through our local authorities, through private builders as well, through the LDA. So, you you can build up the capacity in the local authorities to build, and I'm doing that, right? At 300 new housing staff last year alone, they're additional posts, by the way, QSs, engineers, things the local authorities were missing. But the LDA is developing our own land, and I'd ask people who are against the LDA, and particularly political parties who are against them, like, what is wrong with developing land that is sitting idle, and actually the LDA managing and planning that, and actually building them out? There can't be anything wrong with it. Last thing, I noticed you didn't answer me when I asked what? you earlier, were you in favour of, in a rental, private rental sector, where we have a mix of built to rent social housing and a decent mix of cost rental, mm-hmm. are you in favour of a no-fault eviction? Mark? Well, I think what we're doing now, uh, we no, no we, we've, we've actually very shortly, and you'll be interested in this, we've, we're publishing a review of the private rental sector as to what rent should look like in Ireland. One of the issues we have now, to be straight, Tony, is a lot of people... Over about 84% of, of landlords, right, are one and two individual mom and pop landlords. Mm-hmm. Some of them have bought those. They could be plumbers, electricians, it could be could be whatever. Bank clerks have bought those properties, particularly self-employed, have bought them effectively as a pension fund, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got to be careful whatever measure, measure we bring in if it's seen that we're restricting their access to their property or sale. I think we can move towards that with a new tenure, okay, which would be on the basis of a longer-term lease, that people are entering into a new lease on the basis of it is a no-fault eviction lease, mm-hmm. okay? I don't think you can shoehorn it back in to an existing system that's been... I think that would genuinely legally be very difficult. But I think like we've done on cost rental, I think you can you can bring forward from a certain date going forward for new properties that where people enter into them and be that by way of other types of treatment for longer leases on expenses and taxation and that, that you could incentivize that type of deal. Why don't we I think have... On, on continental Europe, sorry Martin, you've mentioned continental Europe, that has existed in many because people have actually got into the market understanding that that is the situation. Mm. It's different when you try to retrofit something. I understand, but, and then you want to get but, more but, but people on, leaving. So, so here's, you know? here's the quick one. Quick yeah, one. Another quick one. A billion, a billion quid on HAP, right? And we know, yeah, you yeah. know yourself, HAP was a temporary measure yeah, absolutely, that's yeah. become, the market's be- mm. become dependent on. The methadone, yeah. Yeah. So what we said, what was supposed to be morphine and ended up being methadone yeah, yeah. Is, the, is, the, is, the, is the clumsy Sh- metaphor. Yeah. Are we going to look at, as your colleague suggested, uh, Paul McAuliffe, uh, an idea where we say to have tenancies, which we know are poor value for money for the state, mm-hmm. are we going to look at them and say, can we convert them? Yeah, into- I've spoken to Paul on this and look, I'm no fan of HAP. Uh, as uh, there's been an overall a lot of money on it though. yeah but you know some people say oh it's, it's like what it's doing though it's supporting 60,000 households to pay their rent let's remember that so it gets people off the housing list yeah but no it doesn't they're on the transfer list it doesn't yeah. no 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 it doesn't And but and to answer your question right there's a reality there I get this in the dollar fair bit like it's a billion euro on Happen Rass and you should get rid of it and put it into building homes mm-hmm. fine right but wh- when Okay, I can't just switch it off. If I switch it off, there's 60,000 families plus the ones on RAS as well, about another 10,000. There's 70,000 households that won't be supported in paying their rent. You have to transition out of it. Now, the last two years, you guys may not have seen this. We've seen a continued reduction, even in the budget that I've allowed for it, for increased amounts in new HAP tenancies. And I think there's an opportunity, and this is where Paul McAuliffe, I, I believe, is a lot uh, in what Paul is saying. If you look at the 1,800 properties that I'm buying right now, and we'll do more than that this year, the purchase tenant situ, 
99% of them are HAP and RAS. So we're ending those HAP tenancies and transferring them into permanent social tenancies. I think we can expand that further. Uh, and I'm going to expand that into next year, I can tell you now as well. And that we will keep keep this moving. And that's actually exiting people from HAP. All right. I don't like the over-reliance we have, but there, to be really honest with people, there is a necessity right now because we've had a number of years when HAP was there where there's, in fairness to people who are living in HAP tenancies, the state's helping them with paying their rent. If you were to remove that support, what would happen? Well, the problem was we had, as you said, Simon Coveney was the minister in charge when HAP became social housing. Okay, yeah. Owen Murphy increased HAP. You told me in 2019 you weren't in favour. In, in no, in, I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to tell you now straight. That one of the things that I that I that I don't believe that someone's in a HAP tenancy that their social housing need has been met. Actually, funny right? enough, and, you, I, yeah, and, and I, I, I don't, I, and I still don't, and I, that's why I've been been working to exit people out of HAP. Genuinely, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you've said that. Last thing, the yeah. very last thing is okay. Um, home ownership rates have declined, mm-hmm. like they've. For every five years of this particular yeah. government, from when they came to power, no, not, not this government. You go back to you can go back to nineteen ninety six and the actually. coalition. And yeah. The, yeah, but it's but but every five years we've lost nearly ten years of social mobility in terms of home. We're going to see a reversal in that trend, okay? Yeah. And one of the things we just discussed a minute ago, the first home scheme helping people get on get uh, onto the g- no, no, more competition no, no. in the banking sector might like do something. Yeah, well, look, I ca- can't bring in new banks for you, but okay, two things. If you go back to 1996, the average age of buying your first home was about 26 years of age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was 10 years added on. Now That's about it, 29 it, or 30, 36. Okay, the last figure I have, 36. It's in, it's in, it's in the 36 oh, to 39. You always like to <laughs> round up. It's, it's, it, hey, by the way, it's still too high. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. The measures that I've brought in and expanding the help to buy grant as well, and we need more supply. They want more supply out there. Thankfully, we had more first-time buyers buying last year than we had since 2007, okay? That gives me hope on that. And I want to see a reversal on the trend. On the trend. I believe in home ownership. I believe people should be supported by their own, own homes. And if I could say, by the way, I also believe in giving people who want to buy their own homes their hard-earned tax back through the Help to Buy grant, which is a €30,000 for a couple or an individual of the tax that they've paid back. Sinn Féin doesn't, by the way, if I could say they want to get rid of it. 39,000 households have been helped through that. Okay, so I, uh, yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah. I believe I, I, we... Because I've, I've looked at your, your, your website <laughs> and I've done a little research <laughs> okay, on you. You're very much for the squeezed middle and I've seen this. Yeah. And I've sque- seen this and, and you talk a lot about the squeezed middle, but I'm going to throw our upbringing back at you. Okay. And I'm going to say to you, there is nobody in Malahide who is particularly squeezed middle. It is one of the most affluent areas in the country, without a doubt. If um, you were really serious about housing, there's two things have to on. happen, and you haven't spoken about them. One is, there has to be the legal case. You've talked about landlords and their retirement. Is that more important than somebody who's doesn't have a roof at all, it's a balancing no, of no. needs, and the needs, the even 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 in the talking about it, the needs are very balanced towards. I'm going to come back to you. Go on, I'll let you finish. Second point, and it's back to the Airbnb. Empower people in local communities. Okay. Let them go directly to councils with emails and make complaints. I know you're doing it at the EU level, and I know you are, but there is nothing wrong or. Contrary to that, by allowing people in their own communities, very simple. I'm going to say one thing to you because you brought up my background of where I live, right? Okay. Uh, Your family is pretty much the same as mine. There's six kids in my family. Pretty much. I don't think it's where you come from 
doesn't define your beliefs or what you do, right? And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but my my dad's from Crumlin, my mom's from Drimna, both came from big families. Normal people went out and work, raised the fat, same as me. Yeah. Okay. No difference. All right. So now I've I believe in social housing provision. I always have had, and I believe the state should lead by example. And whilst not everyone agrees with me, lots of people do. Not everyone does. Lots of people don't. I'm. I've been very clear on what my priorities are. My priorities are getting the state back building, providing homes for people that are safe and secure to rent and to purchase. And we're doing that. Are we doing enough of it that everyone can feel it? No, not yet. But I genuinely believe and that there's momentum in that space now. Okay. So for me, and like, I won't tell you what I was involved in before I was involved in politics because no one would be interested, right? But I, I spent, spent a lot of time <laughs> dealing with people uh, uh, because of my background and how I've been brought up in helping people who need help. And that's what drove me to get into politics that people mightn't like, some people might like what I do or what I say, or that's fine. But I can tell you for my whole focus is that after whatever five years or whatever period of time I get to do housing minutes that I can look back and say, I've made an improvement. I'm honest with people as well to say, I can't fix it all, but I can really move the dial on it. And and I believe we're going in the right direction. Uh, what I would say, take your point fully on Airbnb. I think the regulation of the platform is the crucial one where people do see an Airbnb operating illegally. Yes, they should let the local authority know. The local authority can actually go and investigate that too. And in relation to, it's not about balancing the rights between a, a property owner or someone who doesn't have a home. I want someone who doesn't have a home to get a home. But it's also making sure that there's a responsibility when you're in government that the measures you bring forward have to be legal, have to be constitutional, and have to be doable. Right. So a lot of schemes I've brought in now are actually starting to work. Okay. And that's good. And people will talk, you know, in in the abstract about things. We've got to be real about the reality of of the situation, how difficult it is. But then secondly, we, we've got to be honest with people about how we can make improvements and get to grips with it. And I believe we're doing that now. Uh, the best part of my job is when I'm around the country or in Dublin or in Fingal or wherever, or Port Marnock in your own old area, is actually meeting people who've been waiting four, five, ten years for a social home. They're getting it now. Meeting couples or individuals who are able to buy their own homes. Now. They're able to do that now. I want to scale that up, right? And I'm going to work and continue to work every hour of the day and night to make sure that, that happens. 11,998 okay. citizens are... I know that. Tony, what do you think? I've been straight with you now. You can try... I, I know that. Mm. And that's the first thing I think about every single morning. All right? I deal with the, the homeless NGOs on a daily basis. And if you talk to any of them, if you talk to Focus, if you talk to Peter McFerry Trust, if you talk to, you know, Simon, okay? Um, I'm engaged with them all the time. All right? All the time. And I work directly with them. Okay, and I'm acutely aware of that number. And I know there are kids there as well, right, who I don't want them in emergency accommodation. Okay, and I'm working night and day to make sure that we can exit people out. And thankfully, people are in emergency accommodation and no one wants to be in that situation. The majority are less than six months there that we can exit people out into permanent homes. But I want to scale that up, but it got to get supply in. Like we're sitting where we're sitting here right now. Mm. Right, I can look up, I can go up the, the road to, uh, Whitehall Church, right? And you look at the, the car park beside there and you can ask your local apparently socialist TD here as to why she, she continues to object to, to homes on that side. Go ask other people why, and other, other politicians why they continue to object and block 
developments. Everybody does. Everybody, yeah, yeah, it is, it is right it's across mental, the board. But, uh, even, you, you meant, no, it's not right across the board, right? Well, bloody the Taoiseach objected to a, a hey, place in Castle Lock. Hey, come here, Lock, come here, like, come here for a second. Look, this week, you mentioned to me, Martin, just earlier on about the situation with refugees, yes. right? I listened to um, former leader of the Social Democrats talking about, you know, uh, how inappropriate it is for the additional uh, facility that was secured. I won't mention where it is secured, mm. but in her area. And it seems like everyone will always try to make some type of excuse as to why it shouldn't be in their backyard. And frankly, that's bullshit. But there's and a really it, easy no, way around it. No, it. It's, it's to make it, no, to put gotta, it into you, the constitution. but you got you got to take that on. If anyone listened to Mary Lou MacDonald's day, maybe if she does I come, did, on, yeah, I did, come on your podcast, she was nearly excusing today some of the behavior in some communities. And she was trying to politicize the situation by saying that because the government response wasn't perfect, she understands where this happens. I think that's very dangerous. Oh, I don't do. think she was I asking like, for perfection. No, I was. I think, uh, from, I think, I'm not here to defend Mary Lou MacDonald. No, but no, she's but, not, but she's not. She's not. She's not here. But get her in. Then. But, but I, I'm saying nobody, and and I I mean absolutely nobody, is where they should be on this picture. I mean, I can't understand why local TDs, parish priests, haven't turned out to that blockade and said, "Well, the hell, we we'll just go home." And actually, to be fair, if you take in, when we, and we won't mention individual places for, for yeah. obvious reasons, but I do know of TDs of all different parties who've gone out and engaged with communities there too. But what I'm saying to you is, is we as a state of responsibility, we know from our history what it's like to be persecuted, what it's like to have to, to travel. But we do also know with our ancestors, when they've gone to other places, they haven't been welcomed. No. Right? And I think 90% or 99% of Irish people get that, okay? Small percentage don't. And some people like to dog whistle about it too and like to, like to give, there's no excuse for that. So people can say, well, there's not, like Mary Lou today was saying, oh, there's pressures on, the, on a local school or pressure on GPs. And like, you know what? That's nearly excusing. I think that's wrong. And there's been I, lots of people in, in, I, I, in your I own think, party I, and others who've said, hey, she's the leader I don't, of the opposition. I don't understand this. I, I don't agree with the blockade. But I can understand the uh, why hasn't there been engagement no, well, with the community? No, no, really, all yeah, of but this. see, all that's to be frank, right? To be frank, that's that that in itself, I, I it doesn't wash with me, okay? Because I think, of course, look, we're in a very diff different world now, okay? We're in a very different Europe now, okay? We've more conflict now than we've had. Uh, probably, well, certainly since I can remember, over 100 conflicts. Exactly, it yeah. is. For climate reasons and for conflict reasons. And thankfully, as as a country, that that we, without being complacent about it, that we've the resources, we don't get everything perfect. People do see Ireland, people are choosing Ireland as a, pla as a place to come and people should be welcomed. And there, there will be difficulties from time to time about service provision, but we can deal with that. But that is, the, that is not a reason to prevent people getting shelter. Well, I, 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 look, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to leave it there and I'm going to say, Minister, thank you very much My for pleasure, coming in. Um, I hope we'll, you'll come into us again uh, when the run-up to the general election. I will. After hope maybe the run-up. next <laughs> budget. Um, <laughs> Two more budgets. So, no, I think, yeah, I think you'll get to one more budget, <laughs> in honesty. We know what I do the date think. is, whatever date Nessa goes back into the green. <laughs> 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 but thank you for coming in and having oh, this conversation. My pleasure. Thanks. It's thanks. always good to have a conversation, and I would like you to consider the few points we've put I will. forward. I will. And I would like you to to take on board the concerns of people, and I the do. concerns of people are are really Martin, so I wanna, justified. I want to say to you, look, and I appreciate being. In, I talk to people every day of the week, and I do respect people's views. I, I've changed policy and changed tact on that basis, and I'm very open minded, and I'm not the oracle. You know, in the sense that it has, that you know, we've always got to be informed by others. 
by others' experience as well, and I respect that. And look, I do appreciate it. I will. I'll come in before the next local election. How about that? Which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, which that's is, after which is, the which general. Is next June. <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> Listen, folks, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much, Minister Darrell O'Brien, for coming in. <laughs> and we will be back with a conversation with uh, Philip uh, Philip O'Connor in Stockholm um, in relation to some of the issues that he has seen and how how Sweden has almost failed to act in relation to anti-immigrant protests. Yes. And some of the lessons we can maybe learn in Ireland. Talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on page.